Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the weekend for Winnipeg, including games against Columbus and Anaheim, plus a trade rumor involving another Canadian team. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it. And thanks for stopping in once again, everybody. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki is joining us once again after a busy weekend for the Jets. A lot of bad, actually, but but I guess it kind of ended out all right. Thankfully, or else it would have been a kind of a different tone for the episode here, but a couple of games for Winnipeg. You split them, you pick up a couple of points, and then you head into another busy week as we uh, tr- kind of trot along through the holiday season and the uh, tail end of 2022 here. But some interesting noise around the rest of the NHL that I think Jets fans are going to be pretty interested in, both in the trade market and then... I guess in the coaching ranks as well, a familiar face uh, stopping by sometime soon. So we'll get to all of that in this episode here, and we won't waste too much time getting right into it. First off, Tyson, how are things going today? Oh, it's good. You know, just recovering on a Monday after this past weekend. <laughs> you're you're too, you're too young to be recovering <laughs> on Monday still, <laughs> right? Like when 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 you're when you're born at the end of the nineties, you should be. You should be ready to go by like 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, not 9 p.m. on a Monday night. <laughs> We're 20, 23 going on going on 40. Yeah, tw- 23 about to be 43. My knees are 33 about to be 83. Um, <laughs> thankfully, though, the Winnipeg Jets aren't in recovery mode after potentially dropping games to the 32nd and 31st ranked teams in the NHL. Yeah, didn't the weekend didn't start off too good with with Patty Line coming to town and you know maybe Line getting a dose of revenge after dropping the first game back in Winnipeg. He pots a couple, and and really Columbus kind of dominates the Jets in in one of their worst games of the season. And I don't know about you, Tice, but I, I at least my thought going into the Anaheim game was poor Ducks. <laughs> like that, that that first period is just going to be an absolute bloodbath, and I was right in a sense. It was just the wrong team doing the bloodbathing. Yeah, like it just a, a shocking turn of events to to see 
the shot clock, the scoreboard, Rick Bonus is punching glass. Like it was just the complete opposite of what any of us expected there. But I mean, look, thankfully the Jets were able to find a way to turn it around. They kind of, you know, showed who's who in the standings by the end of that one, 5 2 victory. A few interesting lineup switcheroos happened in that game, which we'll touch on soon. Uh, so thankfully the Jets avoid the ultimate disaster, the ultimate shame of, you know, dropping all four points to the two worst teams in the NHL right now. Was there anything that stood out to you about these two games? Maybe because I don't think it's even necessarily tactically or systemic breakdowns or anything like that. But you know, the Jets for the most part this season have kind of taken care of business against the lesser thans, and they really only played two good periods out of six on the weekend against some of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, well, especially that Columbus game. I was working the game, and you could just tell that as soon as Columbus scored those early goals you could just feel the the energy in the building just kind of leak out and I felt like the Jets had a really hard time kind of grabbing some old momentum off of some creating some bounces getting it on the forecheck and really building it from shift to shift and trying to keep the train rolling even when things aren't going good and I think you know the Columbus game maybe there was some extra emotions into it with uh with Patty and Jack Rosalik returning but a, a team like Columbus, you really want to sh- do show up against and get those two points. It didn't end up. I mean, Patrick Laine still has one of the most insane shots in all of the league, especially on that first goal. That that release from where he was on the ice too, for it to find just twine, high yeah. glove. Uh, and and it plays it perfectly. Yeah. And his reward for that is bing bang, one nothing. Just crazy. yeah, no. And even I, I don't think Riddich played bad in the Columbus game. I don't yeah. think you can pin that on having a a rough night from your backup who hasn't played a ton. I think that was more so just the team kind of struggling to get things going and on against Columbus. And then on Sunday too, to start the first period, Anaheim just dominated the Jets and like really took it to them. And, you know, it's nice to see that as a game went on, they were able to kind of capitalize on some chances and create some momentum on their own. So maybe these, uh, these I'd say past four out of six periods where the Jets were lost to Columbus in the first period against Anaheim, maybe it was a, bit of a learning experience and I think the Jets are going to be better from it now well let's hope they're not worse from it <laughs> because you can't get much worse than those first four periods there I mean it was I I think there's still some PTSD in this fan base you know with how inconsistent this team has been the the prior let's say three seasons that you know when you drop one against Columbus it's kind of like oh whatever you know it happens but then that first period against Anaheim happens and it's like oh god please no like not not this again. Like we're we're gonna do this whole song and dance, and then you know play Dallas and win seven one, right? Like it, it 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 seemed like the team had turned a corner, and my initial thought kind of was just like, man, are 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 these bad habits creeping back in, and are we maybe gonna start to see a little bit of a downturn with with how well the team started off the season? But you know, it, it's pretty wild, Tyson, that you know Connor Hellebuck's got let's say a, a 930 some odd save percentage Josh Norrissey who will be will be speaking about later on is you know in awards talk right now but but those guys are not the team's MVPs through 26 or so games but the team's MVP stood up and said enough's enough I'm gonna find a way to get this team and, and push them through to victory and that was Rick bonus once again pushing all the right buttons right like he is <laughs> He's just, he's covered in glory every time. It, it's pretty wild that almost everything he's done, I would say outside the Carolina third period, 
has worked tremendously for this team. And he did it again early on in that Anaheim game, you know, and I don't know if you saw the, the lip reading. I don't know if anything was confirmed, but 15 to F and three, essentially like we're, we're letting Anaheim outshoot us, you know, five (laughs) to one right now, which on a side note, I do kind of wonder what like the Ducks players are thinking about that at the time. It's like, hey, like you know, like we're we had paid a decent amount of money too, man. Like, come on, you know, that's like we're, we're catching strays for no reason here. But it, it it looked like the team needed a kick in the ass, right? Like, there's we 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 we've seen kind of gentle grandparent Rick Bonus a lot this year. This was angry dad coming home from work and needing to restore order inside the house and. Yeah, message well-received very quickly there. They turned it around, and, and thankfully it was the Winnipeg Jets team we've seen for the majority of this season so far. But I, I you know, if, if we had to pick three stars of the night, I might give number one to the man behind the bench there just trying to get this team back in action here. And then he did it again in the postgame, Tice. You know, so I'm, I'm not a babysitter, right? Like, and so, sometimes when you win games, that's when you can be extra hard on your team where it's a lot easier to kind of drive that message home because it's off of a, a positive result. And so you can be maybe a little bit more negative in a sense there. So I, I loved what he did post game as well. And I, I, I do think that, you know, I thought going into the Anaheim game, the team would be ready to go. They weren't. I think definitely for the Tuesday game against Florida for, for a number of reasons, but I do feel like, you know, may, maybe he saw something in the dressing room or in the hallway before the game that he didn't like. But I, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about a slow start and a bad first twenty minutes for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning after that game against the Panthers. Yeah, it's it's a lot like when your dad sits you down and he's like, you you know what? I'm not. I'm just not mad. I'm disappointed in you. And I th- I feel like Rick Bonus almost get, like they you really just don't want to Rick, uh, disappoint Rick Bonus with the with the I way would he never goes. want to. <laughs> and and how and how he communicates with the players. So I th- I I agree with you. I think with all that's coming into this Florida game with Paul Maurice and I, I do think the Jets aren't going to need as much motivation for this game coming up against one of the better teams in the NHL too on paper. So I I'm it's going to be super interesting. I think the Jets are going to be ready to go and I think this weekend is going to help them going forward and especially in these and preparing for those kind of games where maybe where you're supposed to win. Whereas last year it was kind of like, Oh, we'll get this game. We'll get this game. Oh, we've lost two in a row. Well, we'll get the next one. And that kind of just spirals out of control. I don't think we're going to see that as much from this jets team. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday is going to be a bit of a beauty. And um, I think we all know the old tradition in the NHL, about putting money up on the board. That's a, that's, I think that might be a pretty expensive board, Tice. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. That's going to be a hell of a party at some point this season. <laughs> I, I would love to be that board. I'll tell you that much right now after after buying a head of lettuce at the store for $7.50 earlier today. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the Florida game a little bit later on, no doubt about it. And we, we might actually have to, you know, do a bit of an emergency show right after that Panthers game, depending on what happens. Um, but back to the game specifically against Anaheim there. You know, maybe the most interesting thing that happened outside of Rick Bonus losing his mind is that our boys' meteoric rise continued. And do you know who I'm talking about, Tyson? You're talking about Dylan Sandberg? Well, Dylan, hey, Sandberg was great too. And that was funny. I don't know if you saw Nate Schmidt beaking him post-game. Um, but as you say, like the, the dude doesn't know what he's doing celebrating, which you know, <laughs> to be fair... 
he doesn't because he's never scored in the <laughs> NHL before. Um, but that that was great to see, and he's been, I think, I, I think really quietly solid for this team over the last maybe even three weeks to a month. Like he's just been really, really, really good, albeit on the third pair. But he he's been steady. There's no doubt about that. But as president of the Mikey Asimon fan club, to see our sweet baby boy. <laughs> resume or, or assume his rightful spot on the team's top line <laughs> that was a sight to be seen and the kid just continues to deliver game in game out there he gets the call as the line blender comes out in that one against anaheim i'll tell you what tice again he's not looking out of place he didn't look out of place on the fourth line i'm not saying he's a first line player maybe i am no but I, what, what i'm saying is that the more minutes he gets at the nhl level he just continues not to look out of place and he had another albeit you know a pointless night but a, another strong game from mikey asimon yeah and he's he's building off a really strong training camp too and i think that's part of why rick bonus had such a trust in putting mikey asimon higher up in the lineup already is because i think that he's he's shown that throughout training camp and early on with the moose so far that he is kind of taking that next step forward with his with his offensive game, and I think he's been really solid in the D game. And he just and the one thing about Mikey Asimov is that you can never question his his work ethic and his hustle level that he brings on the on the ice. And because he's he's always in on the forecheck there, and I and I'm gonna stand by my my Brendan Gallagher comparison from a couple episodes ago. I think that he's really he just provides that sandpaper that you need in that top six, a guy who's going to be able to go to the front of the areas especially when you have two highly skilled forwards on the line with them I do like that you have a guy who can get out in front of the net and kind of clean up the garbage that's around there and I think Mikey Mikey Asimov's going to be a perfect guy to fill in in this top six until we start to get a little bit more healthier I, I don't think the Brennan Gallagher comparison was enough for him <laughs> I, I think that no, I'm just kidding but it's awesome to see and, and and it's kind of been one of the stories of the season the death players on this team up front stepping up and, and giving a lot more than I think any of us could have expected going into the season. So positivity continues to flow nicely there. Um, I do want to kind of switch gears a little bit here. You know, it, it might be a short time for Mikey Asimon up there on that top line or in the top six, at least, you know, injuries and, and health are going to play a role in that, but maybe a trade might play a role in that Tyson, a name that we've heard a lot about over the past little while Rumors are starting to pick up a little bit of steam heating up. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets should dive in on this. Should they? Shouldn't they? We'll talk about that in just a sec. But quickly, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And again, any new customers out there can take advantage by putting down five bones and getting 150 back if the team you pick to win the game goes ahead and does that very thing. Maybe you're feeling pretty uh, pretty spicy and juicy about Pomo coming to town and you want the Jets to show up against the former bench boss and pick up a win against the Panthers. Well, it gets you 150. If the Jets can pull that off, plus you can turn small bets to even bigger payouts with same-game parlays from DK for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the trade market starting to pick up steam here. And a team that I don't think would surprise anybody that is maybe looking to get into the mix, make a move, make a splash. What direction are they going in? Nobody really knows. <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's a little bit interesting here because with the Winnipeg Jets having a decent amount of salary cap space at the start of the season, they're letting that bank and bank and bank. They can take on a pretty juicy cap hit, Dyson. At some point, either now or at the trade deadline, what do you think about Brock Besser as a Winnipeg Jet? I'm I'm honestly just really conflicted about Brock Besser. And I mean, you look at the situation he's in right now in Vancouver, and clearly there's there's something going on up there in Vancouver with you Jim think? <laughs> with, what, what tipped you off? <laughs> with Jim Rutherford running the show, I I think one of the words you can just describe it right now, it just seems like it's very toxic. It seems like a toxic environment for a player for a coach to even be in right now with Bruce Boudreaux seeming just like a dead man walking right now. Um, I, I think Brock Besser is definitely one of those players who can definitely benefit from a change of scenery. And I think obviously his agent agrees as they've been granted permission to talk to teams. And I've seen that they've already talked to as many as six teams. So there's clearly some interest in Brock Besser. And I mean, he does have that crazy shot, but you look at him and there's the injury concerns. There's the sort of, one-dimensional concerns that come with Brock Besser. And I, I just don't know if Brock Besser is kind of that the, the forward that's going to be a good fit for this Jets team. You kind of already have some players like Kyle Connor, like Nikolai Ehlers that are better than Brock Besser, but kind of fit, they kind of play the same, are kind of a bit of the same mold of, as Brock Besser. So I really don't think that spending premium assets on a guy like Besser is going to be beneficial for this Jets team moving forward. Yeah, and that's that's the big question about this. And it's why... I might be a little more interested than than you are. I, you know, I I, I might have, I, I might make a couple of phone calls out there on the West Coast and just see what's going on and what's kicking there. Um, for those that don't know, by the way, Brock Besser said to be a healthy scratch on the weekend. Some illness, injuries, you know, this, 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 this. He's able to get back into the lineup, but then scores against St. Louis as well, which was kind of cool to see there. Um, but basically it's been a nightmare season for him in Vancouver and it looks like, you know, they're, they're set to part ways and they're going to make a bunch of moves out there in Vancouver right now. So Besser's name is out there on the trade market. That's not really much of a secret right now. Um, but you said premium assets there. And, and I, I, I wonder if this isn't a pretty sneaky little buy low scenario that either the jets or some other team might find themselves in. Because I, I don't know if you have to give up a whole lot to get him, Tice. I mean, like, for all the things you mentioned there, plus the fact that everybody knows they're going to deal him, it's not from a position of strength. They might, with how awful their cap situation is in Vancouver, there's a chance they might be willing to ship him out for a mid-round pick. I, I, I don't know what the like what the market is, if, if there's a bidding war going for him, but I if, if, if it's not a, an exorbitant ask, I, w- I would be intrigued because even with his, you know, quote unquote, awful play this year, according to a lot of people out there in Vancouver, he's got 15 points in 19 games. And and you said change of scenery, maybe that kickstarts is like if if 15 points in 19 games is kind of your floor. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't mind that a little bit. The, the thing that does concern me the most, you know, even more so than the 
$6.6 million cap hit for, for two more seasons after this, or, or maybe three more seasons after this, is the, what you touched on there. You know, stylistically, does he fit in with this team? Because you don't want to have too many offense-only wingers. Would And it's a shame it, it didn't happen a year later. You know who would be a great fit for the Jets? A guy like Tyler Toffoli. Like, that would be, like, kind of yeah. the perfect sort of an ad where he, he chips in offense, but defensively, physically, all that, he's able to do a lot. He can play on any line in, in your lineup there. That That's kind of the perfect fit. That also caused Calgary a decent amount to acquire him. But I don't know. If the assets are cheap, I, I, I'd, have some, I'd have some serious consideration to maybe shipping a pick or two picks out there to get Brock Besser out of Vancouver. Maybe, hey, maybe they, they love size. Maybe a Logan Stanley might interest you for a Brock Besser. I don't know. Or do you wait till the deadline to make a move for, for somebody else? Yeah, it's it, and that's where it's tough right now. And I think I do think that Chevy kind of I'm I could almost assume that Chevy has been making calls on the forward front, kind of seeing what the lay of the land's looking like in the NHL right now. And I think I mean, usually with the Christmas season coming up, we don't see too many trades happen right around Christmas, right before the holiday break. I think after Christmas comes in, I think we're really going to start to see the weight, like the the wire kind of heat up a lot on on the on the trade rumors there. And I think that's when we can kind of get a clearer picture of it. And I do think the Jets are going to be are going to take sort of a aggressive and approach and be one of the teams that kind of sets the market on these forwards. We will have to wait and see, I guess. But would love to know your thoughts out there on Twitter. At Brandon underscore Rewicki, at Skates Pod, at Tyson Rewicki. Should the Winnipeg Jets make a run at Brock Besser? If the price is right, of course. And what would be a price you'd be willing to give up for the talented Vancouver Canucks winger? We'll see ultimately where he does end up getting moved. It does seem like a matter of when and not if. Uh, a couple of quick hits here, Tyce, before we wrap up this episode. Um, why don't we do a little bit of a, a war talk here? Because you, you, threw the question out at the tail end of last episode and I wanted to give it a little more thought before we you know took a full-on dive into it we don't have to spend you know a ton of time here maybe do some quick hits through all of the awards here but you kind of threw out you know would Josh Morrissey be a Norrissey candidate right now would he be in the top three for the best defenseman award why don't we save that one for the end um but briefly just a quick look at the NHL awards here the Hart Trophy MVP Everyone's pick, Connor McDavid. Is he still the guy, Tice? He is for me to end the season, but man, right now, Jason Robertson's given them a lot of, he's given a lot of people a lot to say about this heart race. I mean, Jason Robertson has been absolutely unbelievable. And for a second round pick, too, like the, I mean, Dallas hit it out of the park in that 2017 draft, getting, you get Miro Heiskin and Jake Ottinger and Jason Robertson with your first three picks in that draft. I mean, that's just crazy. And so give credit to Jim Nell on that one for yeah. you really hit it out of the ballpark there. Yeah, then, yeah. You could have could have had Nolan Patrick, but that's I guess that works too. <laughs> it's funny. There's like the Flyers picks in that draft. The stars picked right after them. Nolan Patrick, then Miro Heiskinen. Flyers then took Morgan Frost. Oh. Stars took Jake Ottinger. Hey, just stop. Just and then the Flyers stop. took Isaac Radcliffe. I don't and the stars to... took Jason Robertson. Oh, so please stop. That that's a prime example of one team butchering a draft and one team absolutely hitting that out of the park. But yeah, like that third that third spot to me, I'm I'm gonna go a little bit out of left field here and I'm gonna I mean it's kind of cheating, but 
I'm going to save that third spot right now for either Ilya Sorokin or Connor Hellebuck. No. I think both of those guys have been just instrumental in their team success. And without them, they're, they're absolutely nothing. And so just interesting the, the play that Ilya Sorokin and Connor Hellebuck have been providing their team this year is just a- unbelievable. So I'm rolling with them as my kind of tandem third pick. Very interesting. I did not expect that. Huh. Ha 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 ha. I mean, yeah, right now it's, it's McDavid, Robertson, one, two. And, and like, Robertson's been great. I think Connor McDavid has kind of reached LeBron James territory where people yeah. are bored of picking him and are looking for a reason to pick somebody else. And Robertson's been great, but it's McDavid's award. Like, even right, even as great as Robertson's been, McDavid ha- doesn't even feel like he's hit top gear yet, and he's on pace for over 150 points this year. Like, he, it, it's his <laughs> award. Like, the, we could just stop that already here. That third spot, though, I, I I do wonder where you might lean towards that. I I might throw a guy like Matthew Kachuk a bone too, Tice. I mean, he's yeah. pretty quietly, especially with some injuries out there in Florida, really carrying the load offensively. And he's not all that far away, point production wise, from Jason Robertson. Like he's he's kind of keeping pace with them right now. So that's a guy that I might throw in there and give some love as well. Uh, why don't we? You know, you you brought up the comparison right there. Let's switch over to the Vesna. Is it Connor Hellebutt? Is it Ilya Sorokin? Is there somebody else out of left field that you like right now? Who's the who's the front runner? I mean, yeah, you got to roll with either Sorokin or Hellebuck. I think it's just been so close to start the season so far, and things can change. I mean, knock on wood, pray to God, Connor Hellebuck doesn't get hurt. I mean, Ilya Sorokin has been able to keep his injury. He's been able to stay healthy for the most part, but you do worry a bit with those super athletic goalies that one one kind of misstep, one missed push could really could lead to an injury. So, I mean, knock on wood, hopefully those two stay healthy. And But the third spot, it's a little tough because some of the goalies who are who have been performing really well aren't on the best teams. Like you've got Carter Hart and Carol Vizmelka who have just been unbelievable for their teams, but, you know, they got terrible teams in front of them. Okay, so, so, so here's the thing, though, but it's, it's, not, it's not best goalie on a good team. It's best goalie. Right. Right, so, but that, who gives a I mean, rip? The, who gives a rip if the Flyers can't <laughs> defend it if their life depended on it? Um, my my third guy is actually Jordan Binnington. Oh wait, no, sorry. That's, that's, <laughs> we, what do you? Sorry, what do you? What, we only got to talk about that. What do you think about Binnington this season? Oh, clown. Yeah, like at what point did does Baruby just sit him down and just? Like enough's enough. You gave well, he up. kind of said something after yeah. the, the, the most recent idiocy from him. And that, look, if Craig Brube thinks you're punching people too much, then you're probably punching people too much, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. He, he he's, a, I think he's a joke, to be honest, right now. Yeah. And he, he's fighting it. But, like, the, the act that he's throwing out there, it's it's not working. And, and maybe it's just like, I, I don't know. He, I, I just... I got to be honest. I'm I'm kind of enjoying watching him melt down because he's bringing it on himself right now. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, one, two, Hellebuck, Sorokin. I, I don't even know how you pick between the two. Their numbers are literally identical in like every single fashion right now. So it's uh, people in Winnipeg will pick Hellebuck. People in New York will pick Sorokin, and then it's a toss up between everybody else. There, I, I'm giving Carter Hart the third nod. He's he's been tremendous for a team that you know if it, if it wasn't for him would be dead last in the NHL right now. Yes, um, I, I doubt he's going to be there by the end of it because the Flyers will make sure his numbers do not reach that level. 
but I think through uh, about a third of the season now, he's he's certainly been worthy of a nomination there. Um, I guess quickly, the Selkie Trophy is Patrice Bergeron still in the league? Yep. Okay, he's number one. Are we good on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's not even close. Is Rick Bonus coach of the year? <laughs> I, I do think I, I thought you're I thought you're gonna say it's Rick Bonus in that Selkie conversation, <laughs> but yeah, I I think as of right now, I think it's a toss up between him and Jim Montgomery because Jim Montgomery first first year with the Bruins and they've just been outstanding so far to start the season. So what I think about it's Lindy Ruff. Oh man, I forgot about Lindy. Hire Lind- oh wait, hire <laughs> Lindy. Especially, I mean, I wrote Lindy off before the season started, so I'm I'm surprised he's still here, and I kind of forgot about him. But yeah, Lindy Ruff, especially just with all, all that stuff going on for them to bounce back the way they have, and for Lindy Ruff now to you and feel good for Lindy. You know what that I, I do, I do. <laughs> like I, I didn't really care one way or the other before the season, and now it's like. Uh, good for him like he's, yeah. he's he's getting it done right now i mean bruce cassidy it's it like cassidy and montgomery are this like the same thing with different teams so it's there's a lot of good candidates as there always is with coaching right now i think for for me man I, new jersey's such a wagon right now i i i might lean towards lindy being number one i might i might go lindy ruff bruce cassidy and rick bonus in in, in some order there um, but there's no doubt about it that Rick Bonus is in the top five. He's in the short list at the very least for the Jack Adams, which is pretty cool to see. And then quickly, Tyson, the question that brought this whole discussion up, the Norris Trophy. Do you have the trophy named after him himself? <laughs> Do you have Josh Norrissey, the top three right now for best defenseman in the NHL? I, I did last episode, and then I I mean, I, I forgot about Adam Fox last episode, and clearly Adam Fox, I think. Hey, it happens, Tyson. Sometimes we, sometimes we forget about guys <laughs> like Adam Fox. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Adam Fox is having an absolute fantastic year. Kale uh, McCarr hasn't been, hasn't put up the Kale McCarr stats that we're used to yet, but I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's going to, like, he'll, he'll get going too and easily cement himself in the top of those points. And then there, I mean, it's tough because you had guys like Morrissey, Norrissey, uh, Rasmus Dahlin, and Eric Carlson, too, of course, is still in the mix. I mean, Eric Carlson's, with how good Adam Fox has been, I still think Eric Carlson's the the number one guy right now. So I think he, I, I'm going to say that he's really on that kind of fourth spot for me. I think he's like just battling with a couple other guys in that fourth, fourth five spots. Because I think, I mean, Carlson, Fox, have been outstanding, and then Makar is Makar. So it's a tough list to craft because there's so many high-end defensemen in the NHL, but he's definitely knocking on the door right now if he keeps this play up. The fact that he's in the conversation is is still just wild, right? Because those are legendary names that he's, he's you know, trying to keep pace with right now. I mean, I think it's fair to say Carlson Dahlin are 1-2 as of right now. Yeah. I, and I love me some Eric Carlson. I might put Dahlin number one. He's been so good. It's, been it's crazy. Like and, and like it's but it's like Carlson every night is he's like he's playing Globetrotter hockey by himself. Uh Darlene at least has the the best player in the NHL, Tage Thompson, to kind of pass the puck around <laughs> with. But Darlene's kind of on the on the highlight reel tape every night himself, too. So it's like that that's a really fun battle to watch between those two right now. For me, I've I, I've got Adam Fox ahead of Josh Morrissey as of right now. Point totals. Morrissey has the slight edge, but you know, analytically, 
Fox has a massive, massive edge over Josh Morrissey right now. That's maybe the one tiny nitpicky concerning area with Morrissey's game is that he's, you know, hasn't really been break even in terms of shot attempts and shot chances for the Jets so far this season. He's he's so far been extremely opportunistic in, in taking his chances and burying them. But I, I probably got Morrissey, I, I'd probably put him in the five spot, I think. And I would have Fox and Makar ahead of him. But let's take it. <laughs> like, right? Like that the fact that there's gonna be people upset that he's number five in the NHL right now is still just mind boggling to me. It's, it's not it's not because of his play too. Like that's the other thing. It's just that there's four other guys who have yeah. been just Supernova. Uh, like, yeah, just another a whole nother level than just very elite. Like they're <laughs> we're seeing right now, like if these seasons hold, we're seeing a couple of really almost generational de- like a generational Norris race this year with the way Darlene Norrissey, uh, Fox, Carlson, McCarr, and then even you can sprinkle in some of the other guys who have gotten off to hard starts like Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Montour. And people thought, I mean, Montour, since Ekblad's been back, he's still putting up the points and he's even, he's still on that top power play unit, or at least he has been the last couple nights with Ekblad on that unit too. And I think that Brandon Montour has had a super underrated season. And I think he's, he's also in that running for most improved over the last few years with Morrissey. Hey, top five at the end of the year. We'll take that. I'm not going to be upset one bit. Uh, Josh Morrissey will have another chance to uh, continue his Norris campaign when the Jets get back into action later on this week. And that's where we'll kind of wrap up the episode here and close it up quick, Tice, because one of the most anticipated games of the season is on tap. That's Paul Maurice returns to the scene of the crime back in Winnipeg to face his former team. Just quickly, yes or no, does he get booed? Or do the Jets faithful cheer when they eventually recognize him uh, sometime in the first period? See, I was a little surprised that the Jets were booing Line uh, a little bit during that start, but uh, those quieted pretty quickly after that first goal and eventually second goal that he scored. I, I think Pomo gets a nice reception. I don't think it's I don't think there's it's too spiteful. I mean, he's spent a lot of time with the team. He coached the team through their best moments of the fran- of the 2.0 franchise so far. So I think I think he gets a nice reception, and I mean. He didn't really do he didn't do much to kind of to piss the fans off in a way. Yeah. He, 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 left... he should, he should and will get a nice reception. Yeah. Look, it's not Philly, so let's get that out of the way. But like he even if you didn't like what he did at times for this team on the ice, especially in the last couple of years, he's a great ambassador for the team and the city. He really officially brought them into relevancy, you know, after after the Claude Noel era. He he like this team and, and where they at where they're at right now, even though it didn't end off on perfect terms, they you know, Paul Maurice has a lot, a lot to do with where this team is at right now. So hopefully I think he should. I I'd be pretty shocked if we see some booze, a ton of booze out there for him. Um, but save that for the end of the game after the Jets pick up two points. And then you could do whatever you want. Throw throw whatever kind of insults and booze you want at him after that point. But give him, I I think he deserves some love. So the Jets fans will be pretty uh, receptive to that idea. But that's where we'll leave it for this one, and I think that's where we'll get back at it. We might do a bit of a breakdown of that game. Um, I'm out on a work trip later on this week, so maybe we'll uh, break down the Panthers game in depth for this next episode as we uh, get back at it uh, in the middle of the week. But until then, thanks again, Tyson, for stopping by. And uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki here with us. We'll get back at it, likely, on Wednesday morning, breaking down Rick Bonus and the Jets versus Paul Maurice and the Panthers. Until then, stay safe and have a great couple of days, everybody. Peace.